Welcome to the Dark Depth Podcast, your virtual space for the modern and legacy format. I'm one of your hosts, Billy Mitchell, and with me, my co-host, the Roar of the Gods himself, Michael Mapson. How are you? I am, um, I don't know. I don't know. I exist. How are you? I, too, exist. Um, Dude, that's crazy. What is existence, though? I mean, this week, we're going to dig into what it does mean to exist in today's society and how the digital age has actually changed our perception of existence. Uh, actually, well, then, I, this, we're not going to do that. That would be fun, though, to do. But um, that just remind me, it was that you, you turned me on to uh, Dissect, the Dissect podcast, which does like a, a deep dive onto like uh, musical songs, but usually albums and things like that. Um, the because the internet, uh, which is like one of my favorite, I think it's probably my favorite Childish Gambino album. I think as a whole, I'm not sure if you're in the same boat, but um, that breakdown of like you know what is what does it mean to be real? Like what is what's the difference between like real life and um, you know living living the the virtual life? I think is an interesting. It was a very good series. If you're interested, not you obviously. I know you've listened to it at some point, but. Um, for our listeners, it is a very good podcast. You want to check that out at some point. It is a good podcast, even though I'm very behind. Um, you know, I actually got that that album for Christmas. Did you really? Yeah, I got it on vinyl. Haven't Ooh. listened to it yet. I did listen to. I also got um, "Awaken My Love." I did listen yeah. to that. Love it. Uh, I think "Awaken My Love" would be insane on vinyl. That sounds really cool. Yeah, got a lot of things. Um, my my Christmas was largely receiving vinyl. Which is cool. That's really cool. Yeah, I, I, I want to eventually. I'm not going to do it this year, obviously, but at some point in the future, I think it'd be cool to like have a vinyl co- collection. I have no place to put anything. Like, even my uh, my art books are like now getting moved around because uh, there's not enough space for them. So, uh, but I think that is like one of those things. I would love to be able to have a, a collection of like my favorite albums from when I was, you know. 30 and be able to listen to them when I'm like 70 and have like, you know, hopefully still good condition. That sounds like a, a really great way to uh, keep the memories alive. I mean, you can also just like make a Spotify playlist or whatever, or YouTube music playlist uh, if you're a man of culture. Um, <laughs> I say that, but I have Spotify, though I do prefer YouTube music. And okay. I switched because it was cheaper, and every day I think about going back. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know, man. These like, uh, well, like my my wife was on Spotify. I was on YouTube Music. She didn't want to switch. I didn't want to switch. But I also didn't want to have us both paying. And Spotify is like two bucks cheaper a month. But like, I don't know, man. It might be worth paying the fifteen dollars to to go back to what I had. Uh, yeah, I, I feel like it's the the two bucks a month is not something you'll miss. Um, obviously, like it does add up clearly, but like. I'd rather pay the extra $24 a year for, like, the better, at least to me, the better product. But Yeah, I mean, if if she would come with me, I would snap off YouTube music. Uh, mm-hmm. I think, she, ironically, even though I listen to more music, I think she will be more stubborn about the Switch. Although I should probably bring it up. It's been a while. You know, yeah, couples will fall off. Um, and it, it's funny because shortly after I made the switch, I was like, I don't think I love this. And then, um, I was like, you know, I'll give it a month. I will make sure it's like, and after a month I was like, okay, I still don't love it, but it's fine. And then like 
Mason Clark tweeted about um, switching to YouTube Music and how much better it was, and then I was just like reading replies of people being like, "Yeah, YouTube Music is awesome." Spot, I didn't realize how bad Spotify was, and I, I was just like looking at it, just like <laughs> just getting sadder and sadder, and uh, you know, now I'm here ruining any chance of a Spotify uh, part oh, no. with our podcast that we release on Spotify. So. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, oh, that's one sponsorship gone. At least, you know, at the very least, we have Heavy Play, so that's that's good. Yeah, Heavy um, Play, actually great. Uh, yeah. So, I don't know, We I'm sure we have a recorded ad read, but I'm going to do my own live, so screw Billy's ad read. Uh, fine. <laughs> yeah. Uh, heavy Play, great products. Uh, they've got rounded corners on the bottom of their sleeves, uh, which make shuffling a little bit more ergonomic. I believe that's the right word. Um, they shuffle like a dream. I think they hold up for a pretty long time. I haven't had sleeves for particularly long, but my friend Josh has been using the same sleeves in every event he's played for like two or three months. Um, so... Definitely holding up. The playmats are pretty sweet. Um, they definitely, I don't know, they're they are convenient. Um, they look nice. I, you know, they're kind of plain, but that appeals to me. And they're very sturdy. All the products are, they're just really nice. And carrying them around, like, all in just one thing, the fact it all clips together through their, pa- well, I don't know if it's patented, uh, but <laughs> through their magnetic technology, it's... Uh, it's cool. Yeah, they're definitely a very good product. I'm very excited um, that we're partnering with them. I, I do want to go back into the well and get another deck box and another couple packs of sleeves, though. I just, like, now that I, like, have sleeved one deck in them, I'm just like, oh, I want to sleeve everything in them. Uh, they're, they're, just, they're very nice, and, like, the the strength of the magnets is, like, absurd. I... Uh, my, my daughter was playing with it, uh, with the dice box, and I, she was literally just like, I can't open this. It's like, I know you can't. <laughs> like, which to me is like, a, a, I, I don't know. That, that's enough to sell me as a, as a, as a parent. But So if, it is. if you, like Billy, are a parent and don't want your kids to ruin your nice things, a.k.a. your magic cards, you're going to go to heavyplay.com slash... <laughs> heavyplay.com and use the code darkdepth10 to get 10% off your order. That one. Yeah. Best ad read. <laughs> yeah. We'll, we'll workshop it. I think we can, I think there's something there. We will uh, go back to the well. Um, but yeah, no, I, I'm very happy to have them as, as sponsors. And I, I think we might have somebody else um, soon. We gotta, we gotta talk about that. But uh, we should probably talk about a, a different set of uh, challenges. Uh, I think there was a Legacy Showcase challenge this weekend. There was. Can confirm uh, yeah, I mean, top and obviously showcase challenges for those who are new to the format or new to the show or don't know, whatever. Um, the legacy showcase challenges happen, uh, I think a couple, it's a two or three times a season, um, basically once, once a month. Uh, but you end up having, uh, top eight competitors being eligible for the showcase qualifier, which qualifies you for the mocks, which... Um, it's obviously a very good place to uh, qualify for. So, very exclusive event. Um, I mean, you need to have 40 points and still be able to top eight. <laughs> this. So, uh, we ended up having a pretty solid top eight, as far as names are concerned. Um, 
names I guess aren't the most important. I think the deck lists are probably a little bit more uh, prevalent. Um, I guess where do you where do you want to start? Um, I mean, do you want to just like run through it and say what all top aided? Yeah, sure. All right, so uh, we do have one copy of Blue Red Delver, which listed as Blue Red Delver. I'm fairly confident they are. It's actually like the teamer list, yeah, with the I mean, questing druids. There's what two questing druids, I think. So it's like it's yeah. teamer, but like, is it? Yeah, and I think I think calling it teamer Delver is, or you know, teamer Delver is probably not fair. I mean, like they are playing some number of tropical islands normally, but like they're playing they're one. Only, like, and yeah, two green playing, cards that are also yeah, red two, cards. <laughs> yes. So, like, you don't really need to have too much green mana. So I, I definitely respect this blue-red list. And actually, I think it's kind of interesting, this list, just because they, they're actually playing the uh, Blood Moons in the sideboard, uh, two copies there, which I know, I think I think it was Juju was playing something similar to this uh, with one island and, and two Blood Moons. I'm not sure if I'm in love with that, but I obviously it's, it's pretty effective. Yeah, I feel like every time I see a Delver player try out Blood Moon, they're always like, I didn't like this. But yeah. uh, Juju being in a select few others, keep doing it. So Yeah, I just I, I always have trouble like playing the Murktide Regent deck and then being able to cast bring in a card that allows me to not cast my best card. Uh, just it just rubs me the wrong way. But like I even if it's right, it just feels very, very wrong. So um, yeah, so Blue Red Delver, uh, there was, let's say, a couple copies of, uh, well, sorry, I guess a copy of Mono Red Prison and a couple copies of the Goblins deck, uh, as well, in terms of, like, our red Stompy-esque decks. Um, also... I, I want to caveat, um, I wouldn't call it Goblins, um, both decks in the top eight are... Turbo Muxes, which I understand all the creatures in there are goblins, with the exception mm. of Fury Post Board. Uh, but when I think of goblins, I think of the traditional goblins, like the Aetherpile goblins. So I do mm. like um, separating the two. And like if you look at 22nd place, we have uh, Eli, aka Goblin Lackey, on, um, on like traditional goblins. So it's definitely still relevant to keep them separate. Yeah, that's fair. I mean, like, especially just in the dark, my big thing when I think about, like, the Turbo Muxus deck is the fact, obviously, they're trying to get Muxus a lot of times, but um, the number of, like, Broadside Bombardiers is always a little bit higher, and I always feel like I see Battlecry Goblin uh, coming out of the uh, this deck, but not really seeing it out of the um, the traditional Goblin deck. I know they, they both play Gob- Battlecry Goblin. I think it's just a good card, but I feel like it always comes up a little bit more Turbo Muxus deck. Well, the Turbo Muxus deck is on four. Um, Goblin Lackey is only on three, which I know is like not a huge difference, uh, but it is a difference. And also the traditional Goblin deck is played more like a control deck, I believe, whereas Turbo is obviously aggro, so... Putting your uh, thing out and just, like, attacking for a lot is better in the Turbo deck. That makes sense. Yeah, I mean, like, the the list that uh, Eli played ended up having, like, two Muxuses. Two Muxi? Do you call them Muxi or Mux? I don't know. But there's two Muxuses. Um, there's, but there's also, like, Twin Shot Sniper, uh, Sling Gang Lieutenant, uh, and Gem Palm Incinerator, which are 
obviously wonderful targets to get off of a uh, ringleader or a matron, something like that. But it, you don't see them at all in those other lists, so the list that top aided. Like, they're not get, getting those flex spots for removal. They're just like, I will murder you <laughs> with goblins. This will work one way or the other. Um, which, you know, I don't know which of those is necessarily better, though. I'm not sure if you have an opinion on that either. Um, I like the turbo deck, but we can come back to that in a bit. Yeah. Okay. Um, in addition to the top eight, we do have, um, a Demir Delver. What is this? I did not get to see this deck. This deck looks... Oh, okay. It's just, like, scam. Yeah, it's basically just scam, but with Delver secrets. Okay. That's less exciting than I was hoping for. I, I was hoping, like, you know, fireworks and... I kind of got like, like dollar store poppers, so that's disappointing. Um, but I mean, it is just a scam deck. They were playing copies of grief, troll of uh, Cosm Doom, and before reanimate. I feel like after that, anything you kind of throw in the deck is just kind of whatever. I mean, I disagree, but we'll we'll come back to that too. <laughs> Uh, okay, and then uh, we also have um, a copy of a more proper Demir scam. Uh, That's not true. Billy clearly didn't proper? read my show notes, people. I my did not. No. Right. Oh my goodness. What is? Uh, so fifth place is like oh, a Demir, <laughs> Demir Hogak, which we will hmm. also. We're gonna come back to everything. Uh, come back to everything. Okay. Uh, sixth place is Cephalid Breakfast. Uh, seventh place is Terrible Mexus again, and eighth place is Patrick Sampi, which is kind of the evolution of eight cast. One thing of note is they're playing a copy of Sir Ginger. Um, that card's cool. That's all I'm going to say about it. I'm not going to say it's good. I'm not going to say it's bad. I have no clue, but it is cool. I can definitively state that. Um, okay. Well, I guess in that case, I will read your show notes. Okay. Okay. I'm a monster. You know, like, the Got worst it. part, dear listeners, is that Billy actually was excited that I wrote show notes, because I used to write show notes, and then I got lazy again, and I was like, you know what, I think I want to, you know, try to take things a little bit more seriously, be professional, we're going to show up, and it's going to be great, and then he just doesn't even read them. Well, I just got off for work, I'm, I'm like, doing, it's fine, it's fine, I made a mistake. As a reminder, you get off work hours before I do. Well, yes, but I also have grading to do. The quarter just ended. I went shopping. All I asked was five minutes away. of your time. Oh, my gosh. Yeah. Um, I'm still, <laughs> so for, for those at home, I'm supposed to be reading this um, manga. I forget what it's called. Um, Cells at Work. I'm, I'm not sure if you've ever heard of it before. A student gave it to me to, to read, and, you know, she's just like, oh, you know, it's a quick read. Probably read in, like, an hour and a half. You got plenty of time. It's like, yeah, yeah. It, it's been, like two weeks and I still haven't read it. So I am trying my best here. I'm trying. I can, I can like do so much. Um, but okay. So I'm reading the show notes. I get it now. We're good. Talking about, uh, the turbo Muxus deck. Um, if you are looking at this deck and I've been playing a decent amount of legacy on MTGO this past week, I feel like the goblins deck has just been like, everywhere um and it being a obviously a very strong deck with sticker, uh the name sticker goblin uh, but also just being a really solid chalice deck uh being able to actually take advantage of um the two generic mana from ancient tomb um 
in ways besides just having the uh, Chalice of the Void uh, makes this deck actually have a clock, so you're not just like sitting behind uh, a, a Chalice and I'm going to very slowly kill you with the Orgish Spellmaster. It's, it's like, I am going to murder you with a Broadside Bombardier, or I'm going to cast a, you know, turn two Muxus off of my name ticker goblin like there is a lot of a lot that makes this deck i think a, a little bit better um this did this deck actually have a, a pretty solid win percentage yeah i mean this deck did well um should probably have had those pulled up um i know the deck did perform well it didn't perform as well as like one might have expected or hoped mm. um so for Turbo Muxus, it was 8.3% of the metagame. It had a 50% win rate, um, which is not, like, insane or anything, right? Like, 50 is um, average. But I do think that is actually, you know, fairly good for a deck that is played uh, to this extent, especially because I think it was one of the decks that people would look at and say, this deck is easy to play. I don't play this format. I'm going to pick it up and play it for the event. Um, and I don't know that that is a great thing to do. I think uh, there is difficulty in knowing how to sequence, like, what is important. Um, I think there is some difficulty in knowing, like, when do you play around days? I think there's, like, a lot of tricks people will fall into, like, okay, I have this Cavern of Souls, my name's Sicker Goblin, it's uncounterable, sweet, I have this mana, spend it on this thing that actually matters, and then they counter that, and it's like, oh no, how could I have played around this? <laughs> the answer is like very easily, um, mm -hmm. but that's not something that you're going to pick up on if you don't play the deck or format. Uh, so, I you know, again, fifty percent not insane, but a, it being a deck that like people were aware of and knew was going to be prevalent going into this event, I, I do think it is not that bad. And the fact that it put two copies in the top eight is also, I think, very showing. Uh, plus it had a few more copies a little bit lower like there was a copy in 20th um, there was a copy in 39th so I definitely had some good finishes and like I know 39th doesn't sound great but like that's still a 6-3 finish it's still mm. strong you know yeah oh absolutely yeah and I guess well looking at the most popular decks from the event uh, you mentioned that Goblin uh Turbo Muxus with 8.2, like 8.3%. Uh, the highest percentage deck, if I am... Reanimator at 132 Yeah, that is... But that's kind of your point. The, that's the deck that people would pick up and be like, oh, I know how to play this deck. It's literally what Canister does every every couple of months. Uh, just like, oh, I remember how to play this deck. And then, you know, sometimes it's the top eight, sometimes it's not. But, like, that is just... What, what he does, and I think a lot of people do something similar to that, like, I'm gonna pick up uh, Reanimator with 13%, I'm gonna pick up Delver, and I think the version that got the highest percentage was uh, Quixus Delver at 12%, you know, play all the good cards. Uh, you get to play uh, Beanstalk Control, which is a deck I've actually been playing a lot, I've been really enjoying that. Um, that was at 10%, 10.2%, uh, and then after that we get... Uh, our Turbo Muxus, we also get uh, the Rhinos deck around 7.9%, uh, and then we're like going to like at like 4.9%, so a major drop off after that. Um, yeah, I mean, that that is 
it, and again, further to your point, out of those decks, uh, the only one that had a win percentage above, uh, we'll say 52%, just to give ourselves a line here, uh, is uh, none of them. Is that, unless I'm missing something, uh, Beanstalk was, ended up at 47%. Uh, Turbo Muxus, like you said, it was at 50%. Grixis Delver at 48%. Lands at 51%. And Reanimator at 50%. Uh, Rhino has actually had the highest out of those. At, um, it's just, I, I feel like those the, the quote-unquote popular deck always ends up getting dragged down by people who are just not great pilots at the deck. But the deck is, uh, so like focusing back in on Turbo Muxus, the deck is sweet. I picked it up for a prelim last week. Um, I didn't, well, oh wait, no, so I tried to pick it up for a prelim. Forgot to actually register for the prelim because I'm dumb. Um, (laughs) yeah, uh, but did like 5-0 league with it. And then I went 3-2, I think, in the next one. And then I think I did successfully play a prelim in which I went 2-2, I want to say. Um. The deck it definitely impressed me. The craziest one was I'm willing to like I can't remember if it was four or five. I want to say it was four, and I killed my opponent on turn two. I just went like, <laughs> yeah, I just went like turn two Muxus, and then it hit. Uh, so I went like Goblin Sticker, or Sticker Goblin, whatever it's called, Sticker Goblin into Muxus into Goblin War Chief. All my things have haste <laughs> and murder you. Yeah. That's good enough, right? That's insane. Uh, is it very... I mean, like, the deck in my mind is very similar at this point to, like, the initiative deck. It's, I mean, like, you're you're playing Ancient Tomb, you're playing the City of Traitors, you're playing uh, Chalice of the Void. Like, you end up having this kind of, like, similar sideboarding plan, or people have a similar sideboarding plan versus you at the very least. Like, is are those just, like the same deck at this point, obviously one more, uh, typal one, well, actually I guess they're both kind of typal. One's like uh, a human and one is goblins, but they're a very similar decks in my mind. Yeah. So they are definitely similar. Um, the goblins deck is more explosive, which feels crazy to say because, you know, when, I don't know, when Red White does its thing, it's like, God, why is this so fast? Like, aggro decks don't need to do all this, but the Goblins deck is. Um, I think the the threats in the Goblins deck are probably scarier, uh, but they have less control elements, and I don't think they transition into the late game as effectively. I also just think there is slightly more variance in the Goblins deck. Um, there, I mean... Don't get me wrong, there's more meat in the deck, so, like, your chances of drawing stuff go, like, are good, but, like, not having Fable does mean, like, you don't get the filtering, and, like, not, um, and, like, I definitely cast, um, Ringleaders and Muxuses, where it just, like, did not draw me creatures, um, whereas when you hit your, uh, your card advantage spells in the initiative deck, you gain the initiative and, or the monarchy, and, it is very hard for you to not continue to accrue an advantage off of that. Mm-hmm. Um, I think if I had to play one tomorrow, um, honestly, the Goblin deck is more fun, so <laughs> I'd probably <laughs> yeah. do that. Um, I want to say Initiative did better in this event. Yeah, Initiative had like a 55% win rate. Um, so 
I don't know. If I cared, I'd probably play Initiative. Um, but the Goblin deck is fun. I mean, they're both yeah. fun to me. Yeah, I definitely, I definitely see the appeal. I, I think attacking with broadside bombardier and getting to actually, you know, do the both, I think is like just insane fun value. But though, I don't know. I think it's a hard debate, hard to sort it out. But I mean, I think they're both good choices. Like obviously, win percentage wise, they both did fine. But I think they both are good approaches to playing a chalice deck. I, I still not in love with the. Uh, the blue version, I can't think of what it's called. Um, the cast work deck, a cast, yeah, like where you're just like, I'm gonna draw cards, I'm gonna activate Emery for four turns in a row. It's like, what are you doing over there? It's like, I'm getting ready. It's like, what are you getting ready for? Stuff. It's like, okay, you need to, you need to kill me. I, we got to move on here. And the the fact that you like, you have to as a, an opponent, right, with the goblins deck especially, like you have to be prepared to either deal with a chalice of the void or deal with a creature means that something like, you know, double, double hydro blast is like not good enough. Um, having a copy of force Negation feels awful, even though it is kind of, kind of defensible. Um, I, I like that kind of, that kind of extra tension you get there. Um, the initiative deck did the same thing though, right? Being able to apply pressure, but I like the fact that you can, you have so many more three drops in this deck, right? Like, so going turn one chalice, turn two cavern of souls into an uncounterable, you know, even not not anything spicy, but like sticker goblin. It could be even battle cry goblin. Just like it is something uncounterable that I can't deal with. A lot of my cards are getting turned off even more. A really effective recipe for these kinds of decks. Yeah, very good cavern of souls deck. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that is definitely like the best. One of the best things about this deck I, I feel like um the death and taxes deck at one point was a very good uh, cavern of souls deck you could use flicker with to reset it and you know change the creature type that was fantastic uh those days are way gone i feel like i feel like this is uh either this or the initiative deck are like the best cavern of soul decks in the format besides i guess slivers if, if you want to count that as a deck that really likes having Cavern of Souls, but... I mean, this is a way better Cavern of Souls deck than Initiative. Yeah, oh yeah, I mean, all your creatures are, are goblins, I guess, besides, like, the sideboard uh, Magus of the Moon and Furies, but I've actually gotten hit by an uncounterable Fury uh, from this deck, so I I will say that it is still a, a relevant piece of a... a... Okay, well, uh, now that I've looked at it, can we talk about the, you know, quote-unquote scam deck? It's a Hogak deck. Yes. Okay. Uh, so, for those who have not seen this, um, do you want to do you want to run through like the the bare bones of uh, what this deck is trying to do? Sure. Um, so, we'll start with the package everyone knows: grief, reanimate, I like scam, um, and then we also have, and obviously troll of Casa Doom, um, and then since we're putting things into the graveyard. Uh, we have Stitcher Supplier, which is really nice with Reanimate, because uh, you can just flip over things. Um, so we have Stitcher Supplier, Overcrush Bowmasters, Greaves, Trolls, Hogax. Uh, we're in blue, so we have Brainstorm. Uh, we have two Cabal Therapies, uh, four Ponders, Reanimate, Stasis. Only three stuff out. Four Force mm-hmm. Will, 14 lands, uh, plus Dryad Arbor. And 
that's uh, that's your deck. Um, so I've actually played something similar to this before, and it was very fun. And I definitely won more than I was expecting to with it. And then I put it down, and I don't really know why. I didn't have... I don't think I had the trolls in my deck. Uh, okay. I want to say I had crabs. Wow, that's not a sentence you should say. No, um, I was going to let it go, but... <laughs> I, I had heat-drawn crabs. Uh, there you go. But this deck is... Uh, I don't know. It's powerful. I think the Hogak stuff just kind of attacks from an angle that... Delfer and a lot of these fair decks aren't prepared to deal with. Uh, White has kind of fallen out of the format, and, you know, Swords is the best answer for Hogak, and that card doesn't exist, so it's like, if your opponent Molten collapses it, it's like, that's cool, I'm just going to get it back the next turn, and the next turn, and the next turn. Um, Obviously, the Grief uh, Troll Reanimate package is very strong. Uh, You're actually going to hear us talk about Grief for basically the rest of this episode, so that's super cool and fun. Um, Yeah, yeah. And, you know, the rest of it is through traditional tempo strategies. Um, I think this deck is, it looks very strong and cohesive. Um, Nam Response is also a very strong player. Um, mm. So, you know, it's one of those things where it's like, you kind of want to take his results with a grain of salt because he's going to win more than the average player. But also, if he's playing this deck, it's not by accident. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, and there's a lot of, like, really like, just mark choices here, and I, like, again, I, I have not, not seen this deck in the wild. Uh, I've seen it, you know, on Twitter here and there, uh, but I have not seen it in a league yet, so I'm not sure if this is, like, a, a stock configuration at, at all, but I, I like the idea that we have the Dryad Arbor as a good way to cast Hogak. We see that in, like, the bug Hogak list from yesteryear as well, uh, but I also like that all the fetches are green fetches, but that also happened to get your underground seeds, which is the th- main thing you're using to cast your spells, uh, which is really nice. Uh, the Stitcher Supplier, like, continues to be that one card that I'm just like, how is this good? And then it comes down on turn one and gives you a turn two Hogak. You're like, oh, I get it now. Um, which I always appreciate. Uh, but I also like Bowmasters in this list. Uh, not only does it... It allows you to have this kind of effect versus other, other blue decks without, you know having an absurd amount of those types of spells. Like, you do have four days and four force of wills, uh, but the Orcish Bowmasters at least helps stop that kind of uh, drawing we're seeing just from, I feel like every card also says draw a card on it nowadays. And with this, you end up having, like, Orcish Bowmaster ends up being a two man away to um, convoke, to help get out Hogak on turn two, which is fantastic. Um, but also, like, that gives you fodder to um, sacrifice things from, like, Cabal Therapy, uh, which is also very nice. So just a lot of, like, nice little tight little uh, dovetails here. Yeah, definitely definitely a very good card in this deck. Um, I, so this is my minor pet peeve. I feel like I don't... I very rarely want to board in a wasteland. They have, they have two wastelands in the main deck and then one in the sideboard. Is that? Can you sell me on that on the on the wasteland? No. Okay. <laughs> okay. Cool. Um. Yeah. I just like I I and obviously I I kind of I know there are matchups where like the extra wasteland would be nice, but like 
there has to be something better, right? Maybe, maybe there's not, but it just feels like there should be. Um, I'm also, I was going to say, I'm not actually kind of surprised, too, we're not seeing any copies of, like, a Descend spell. I, I feel like this deck is, like, naturally getting um, Descend anyways, and I feel like maybe, like, a Stalactite Stalker or even that uh, Whale of the Forgotten Gods uh, would be really nice in this list, but I guess there's just, like, not enough room. Yeah, I mean, like, you could play it over Snuff Out, but outside of that, I don't know. For Stalker, I mean, oh, I guess either of them. Outside of that, like, I don't know what you... Okay. Um, the Whale is nice just because it pitches to Grief and Force, and your mm -hmm. blue card count is definitely on the lower side. Um, that was one of the bigger issues I had with this deck. Um, you're only playing 16 blue cards, although notably, in the matchups where you need it most, all the cards you're boarding in are going to... Yeah, to say, like, something like a... Like, changing, like, the snuff out for, like, a Drown in the Lock, in my mind, seems like it would be a, a nice way to kind of tie that together, right? It's still a spell, but I guess you want to be very mana efficient. Like, this deck only plays yeah. 14 lands. Uh, you, you don't really have the the time or uh, the incentive to just, like, save two mana to maybe use it. Right. And I mean, like, the thing is, you're not casting anything that costs more than two mana. Like, Orcish mm -hmm. Bowmasters is, in a sense, your most expensive spell. I mean, there's the chance that you hard cast grief, but that's not your intention. Yeah. Yeah, like, that is... Yeah, uh, you're right. Yeah, so I guess I can, I can understand that. Um, just being being free is a, a bigger benefit than being more flexible, but I do like the idea of up in the blue count and while also maintaining the blue. It seems relevant. So may, maybe that is something to, to look into, but uh, pretty sweet deck. I'll, I'll definitely play this sometime this week. Uh, just because I always like I always like Hogak. Hogak's like one of the uh, legacy decks that I had mostly built. <laughs> uh, didn't get to play it too much, but I didn't have it built at some point. So anytime to play the uh, the Avatar in in Legacy, I I am down. Uh, I guess was it the Delver list again? Continue just to be like this is what we should be doing. It, but like I feel like that's obviously becoming less and less true the more, uh, the more we actually get into this current iteration of of Legacy. Obviously, with uh, Bowmasters and things like that, I feel like Delver of Secrets, like Delver proper, has never been weaker. Uh, but obviously, I guess I'm in the minority. I, it obviously did pretty well in this weekend. Two copies in the in the top four here. Um, that did they perform particularly well? I gotta say. Not your smoothest transition, but <laughs> <laughs> ignoring yeah. that, um, yeah, I, both uh, blue black Delver and rug Delver, again only sort of rug, uh, performed mm -hmm. exceptionally well. Um, so rug Delver had a fifty nine percent win rate, and then other tempo decks, which included uh, seven blue black Delver decks, uh, which I actually almost played myself in this event. Um, no. had a 57% win percentage. Um, I didn't delve in to figure out what effect the other deck had and what the other deck actually was, um, mm -hmm. but we'll just go 57, which is very good. Like, that is very good. Yeah, for sure. Absolutely. Yeah, I, I mean, like, is it... Do you think it's a matter of the deck being just, like, more powerful than ever, everything else or just, like, really lining up... Uh, in the format right now, or could it just be, like, just the best players are playing this deck? Um, I think it's a few different things. I think the deck is strong, 
right? Like, it's very similar to the scam deck. Um, you know, we we kind of disagreed earlier. You said it is scam. I say it's not. It is similar. Um, it is not designed to go as long, right? You don't have Mystic Sanctuary. You don't have Sauron's Ransoms, which is a card that's in and out of the scam deck. You don't have... Uh, what is that blue-black descent card people play? Uh, Whale of the Forgotten Gods. Yeah, you don't have that card. Um, instead, you get Drown in the Lock, which I know is a card scam has played before. It's in and out, um, mainly out, I believe. Uh, but this is just a little bit lower to the ground. Um, I think it is very good. Um, I think just having that slightly quicker clock and like grief already incentivizes you to have such a quick clock and like if you get to go like turn one grief you delfer turn two like take your removal spell turn two bring back grief like you just have like flip my delfer you just have an insanely fast clock um and i think it is very hard for people to recover from the double thought seize effect quickly enough to answer something like a delver uh, and you know if things are going well you just get to take their bowmaster before it hits and uh you know you also do have days and force a will to play around it to an extent mm-hmm. yeah that continues to be one of my favorite things to look at your opponent's hand and just be like okay grief and you're like look at their hand you're like oh i don't care about anything in here i'm just gonna cast ponder and then you're like okay cool and they draw a card and they're like okay i'll do this you're like cool I'm gonna wasteland you, and then I'm gonna I'm gonna reanimate my grief and see what you got now. And it's like, uh, okay, well, um, yeah. I and mean, like Delver Secrets is definitely a good, like, and this is p- part of my issue with Delver in general in the format right now. There's just so many Bowmasters just running rampant um, that I don't feel comfortable devoting my entire first turn to a card that is just going to die. In, I feel like, every situation, whether it is to Lightning Bolt. And, like, this sounds really dumb. Obviously, the card dies to removal, yes. But, like, uh, it dying to a Lightning Bolt feels a lot better than it dying to an Orcish Bowmaster for my opponent. Um, so I, I am less willing to put myself in the situation where my game plan just gets destroyed because, like, my double Delver uh, Ponder Hand cannot beat a single Orcish Bowmaster without, you know bending over backwards. Uh, but it is it is still one of the best turn one plays you can do, especially if it makes it to turn two and flips. But I just don't... I feel like it's just getting less and less likely. So I hear what you're saying, but I also just think it is not unreasonable for the Delver to just dodge the Bowmaster. Right? Like, if you play it on one, they have to have the Bowmaster on exactly turn two, which, you know, they do have, like... A 40% chance, so it's not, <laughs> that's definitely not impossible. Um, mm-hmm. But it has to be the best thing for them to do in that turn, which granted it probably is. Uh, but you have to not have days, you have to not have fours. And also, like, if it dies, it dies, and you can play something else. Um, this is also assuming you didn't grief it out of their hand turn one, which is like yeah. a thing that's like a card you're happy to take, anyways. And also, while you don't want them to have Bowmaster, period. It is kind of nice that they're incentivized to just play it and not wait for you to play a brainstorm and then get you. Um, mm-hmm. Having that little bit of extra information is nice. And like, you know, I'm not saying that's a, the reason to play Delver, but it, I think it makes the feel bads not as bad. Yeah, and and honestly, like in those kind of matchups too, like you are really putting a, a premium on, you know, reanimating 
Bowmaster re- reanimating a Pothing, you know, you can reanimate your own Delver, you can reanimate whatever. So, like, being able to have your Delver die early and then be able to buy it back with the reanimate is better. Um, having them expose their Bowmaster first so you can follow up with your own Bowmaster makes a lot of sense. Like, I guess there are some, some other advantages to having a reason for your opponent to put it out there. Uh, but again, it's just, it's a, it is a tough feeling to, to lose that card so quickly. So, ugh, tough, but I mean, obviously the deck is, is in a pretty good spot. Uh, I do want to look at, was it Jake's, uh, Jake TMS, uh, the sideboard, uh, a couple things that I like, uh, the split of Blue Elemental Blast and Hydro Blast. I think that's just smart. You might as well. Um, I like the counterbalance on the board. I like Null Rod. Um, but the ones that I really was interested in, uh, one was the Court of Cunning, just because I, I don't think we've seen... Like, Court is one of those cards that ends up coming in and coming out, and I think it's been out more often uh, in favor of the... Uh, if I can remember the name of it, uh, Palanthier of Orin, Orinthak. I think that I believe that's it from the Lord of the Rings set. Um, as a three mana spell, you can cast. Um, it's colorless, so you don't need to worry about you know a Blood Moon effect or something like that. You can just cast it on three, regardless of what your mana looks like. Um, in this deck, theoretically, unless you have you know Island Swamp Wasteland, like this is going to be able to cast Court of Cunning on turn three, uh, relatively reliably. Um, but I also do feel like there's a lot of advantages to having more cards in your graveyard. So I'm a little less, like, willing to mill my opponent. I feel like it's a little a little less viable. Uh, but I do like the um, Tasabo's Web. I think that's a really interesting card and not one that I... I actually don't think I've played with this in, in paper. I don't think before... Um, but it's a two-mana artifact from Invasion. Uh, when it comes into play, you draw a card. Uh, lands with an activated ability that doesn't produce mana. Don't, uh, doesn't... Oh, man. Oh, gosh. Give me a second. Lands with an activated ability that doesn't produce mana. Don't untap during their controller's untap steps. That is a weird sentence to say. But, uh, that is, that is actually a pretty, a pretty interesting card. Um, just because it does allow you to, you know, keep something like a, a Wasteland tapped. Uh, maybe um, your opponent taps a Dark Depths uh, for mana somehow with like a uh, Yavimaya, right? That's not going to untap either. So, and even, uh, what's that? that? Death Bean Stage. I don't know what deck I'm thinking of. I don't know why. Uh, but yeah, like that's another thing that's just not going to untap, which I think is... Uh, so, addressing all of these... Uh... By all I like, all three cards. So first, Court of Cunning. I really thought you were just bringing it up because I know you love that card. I do. Yeah, that's, that's basically it. But but it is like, it's just like, if it's it, it's interesting to look at this deck and just say, I've decided that Court of Cunning is better than Palantir. Like that's a very bold statement to me, and I I've been so happy with um, the the orb that like I I can't imagine trading that in for Court of Cunning. But I don't. I don't know. It's just. It's just an interesting decision to me. So I'm not gonna say it is or isn't better. Uh, the fact that it does pitch to force is like, I, I feel like it's one of those dumb things that people say. But like, it is relevant, mm-hmm. right? Even though hopefully you're not pitching it. Um, 
you are kind of on the lean side, so I could see you thinking, oh, Palantir is not actually going to kill them. Even if I do disagree, right? Palantir does a lot of damage. Um, Death. My, my friend in Vintage Cube actually just put a Palantir up to two and killed his opponent from 17 yesterday. Card can oh, smack okay. for a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but anyways, um, I do think Court is actually pretty good, though. Uh, I think the mill 10, it, it's just like so effective, it will also end the game, uh, especially against a lot of the control decks that are going long anyways. Mm-hmm. I I don't know. I think it's kind of close. And yes, you might feel their Merc Tides or whatever, but like they're just going to die before their Merc Tides can kill you as well, especially because the grindy deck right now are these bean stacks that are just going through half their deck already anyway. In terms of Palantir... Uh, I don't know. It probably still is better, but I'm up to exploring other options. In terms of Sabo's Web, I just want to say you don't speak for all of us on this show. That card sucks. Don't put it in your deck. Um, has no positive impact on the format. The end. Don't play it. No bias. Uh, no bias, of course. Uh, I do. The Court of Cunning is actually kind of kind of cute though, because like you can also. If your opponent takes the initiative, they're like, "Oh shucks!" Uh, trigger Bowmaster. It's like, "Oh wait, no, I don't, I don't want this. I do not want this." Um, like the fact that it can actually punish your opponent for trying to, to steal it from you, um, is is a really good extra benefit there too. I've actually won a couple games for the initiative deck um, because they take the monarchy, and then they just like end up dying to the extra pings. Which, but um, maybe that pushes you towards it. Uh, in favor, just assuming your opponent will steal it from you eventually, but I, I don't know. Yeah, probably not. I don't know. Drake has put a lot of work into this deck over the past few weeks, um, so I am inclined to trust him, um, but also he has been doing the majority of the lifting for the deck, so like, could be honest that he just hasn't thought about it, you know? It's, it's hard to know. Yeah, yeah it's very possible. Um, in, I guess, in this grand scheme, right, um, all these decks feel so similar, um, you know, between, uh, I guess, Teamer or Rug Delver, uh, this Blue Red, or, gosh, Demir Delver, uh, this Hogak deck actually, you know, has a lot of similar elements um, as well. But even, like, this isn't even to mention the fact we have not actually said the word Grixis yet. Like, you know, there is a version that is also playing... Uh, Dragon Reach Channeler and Delver Secrets in addition to the other things. And like you said, Molten Collapse is pretty good in this form. I, I double-checked the place, 16th place, uh, C-Mac. Uh, ended up playing a list that was playing uh, Molten Collapse and actually playing a main deck copy of Pyroblast, too. Like, the flexibility you get in the the Grixis family, or the, yeah, the Grixis array of decks of Blue-Red Shell, um, it's very high. And, like, I think... There are just so many ways to build it that I, I think there. If you are a Delver Delver gamer, like you, you have plenty of options right now. You are you are eating good. Fun, fun fact, because uh, I know this was completely unintentional. Because there's no way you could have known this. Uh, but the player you just shouted out in 16th place is one of the people I am working with to prepare for uh, RC Denver. Oh, I did not know that. Oh, small world. Uh, yeah, our, the people I'm preparing with actually just had, like, 
pretty strong finishes. Like, of the people in that group who played the showcase, I had the worst finish at 6-3. <laughs> I, I just imagine them to, like, get it, like, them in, a, like, a separate group chat, like, should we kick maps in? Who only want to kick three in the showcase qualifier? I don't know. Uh, no, I mean, that's, that's an insane group to work with, so uh, that seems to bode well for you. That's good. Um, I, yeah, I just... That is, I don't know. I, I'm very interested to see how this kind of pans out. I mean, I'm used to having a a high number of uh, tempo decks. Sorry to say the scary word, uh, but a heavy amount of them. And it looks like we're like 21.8 percent for tempo decks, which is including a lot of the you know these decks that we're talking about here. So, uh, you know, I would like to see kind of how this shakes out. Um, obviously, I think the huge advantage. When you're looking at the decks, um, obviously red having access to things like uh, Meltdown, having things like Pyroblast, and having things like uh, Blood Moon, if that's how you want to go, um, is very relevant. I, I think Meltdown is one of the things I constantly wish I had access to in uh, Blue Black Scam. And you can play things like Powder Keg, you can play things like Engineer Explosive, they are not the same. Um, so... I don't know. That is that is like my my one big thing. I, the black um, that like the Hogak deck in particular, um, like having access to Fatal Push is fine. Um, having access to Cabal Therapy or being able to bring that out of the board is I guess relevant. But like also like that's not the most popular. Um, it's not the best way to get the black cards into the deck. Like if I want to play black cards more effectively and be a you know, be able to position myself as a control deck. I, I could just play Grixis Delver. I could just play uh, Blue Black Scam. I don't need to try to play Hogak. Um, Hogak just puts you into this, like, really aggressive slant. Uh, and obviously, we're not playing with Bloodgast anymore in this deck, but, like, I'm not I'm not really trying to block with my, uh, my Hogak. I'm not really trying to uh, reanimate a, a troll and then, like, sit back. I uh, can't really do that effectively. Um... The teamer deck I have gotten to play a little bit more of. Still not my cup of tea, but I, I at least get what is trying to happen here. Um, I, I think Questing Druid is much better on the front side than it is on the back side. Um, and I think it also, the sideboarding with Questing Druid, and actually that's the reason I do like the, the, the choice to go down to two, the sideboarding with Questing Druid is just so awkward because, like, there are certain spots that I would love to cast anything except for my Meltdown or except for my Counterbalance or my Blood Moon or my Force of Negation. Like, I just don't like the randomness on the top of the deck. I don't like bringing in two and three drops and not being able to cast them because I hit them off Questing Druid. And I also hate hitting Questing Druid off of Questing Druid and then having this, like, clug of... Uh, spells that I cannot cast uh, without, you know, losing them. So I, I think going down on that number makes a lot of sense. Um, I think if I were not playing, you know, if I just going back into uh, Legacy right now, I think I would kind of start with the Grixis deck and kind of position myself from there. I think, th I think that is objectively the best out of um, these four uh, options, at least. Um, but I, I do think there is a big nostalgia uh, nostalgia factor with playing Questing Druid. Uh, obviously, it's not a Tarmogoyf, but it <laughs> it evokes very similar feelings of having, you know, uh, a, a powerful green card 
uh, in your list. The mana is, I, I think, very solid overall, just because you are basically a blue-red deck. Um, but it, I don't know. I, the, I I do like the idea of being aggressive, though, with uh, the, the Hogak deck. That, that does seem like something. And again, I, I will try this list just to uh, see how it plays out. But it's just a hard thing for me to imagine... Uh, preferring to be aggressive rather than being able to c- try to be better at controlling what people are doing in this format right now. It's just, uh, I, I feel like this format is very dynamic, right? Where you can have an opponent with an empty board on one turn and suddenly you're dead the next turn. And this deck obviously does have things to protect you from that in terms of discard and still counter magic. But I, I feel like there's a lot of ways that, like, like, Sticker Goblin in particular, right? Like, I don't need to counter it. I just need to make sure it doesn't, the ability doesn't resolve. Um, so I can actually hit it with a Fatal Push if I need to, or I can... You have uh, have access. And uh, You do. Out. You do, yeah. I, I just... I, I don't... Also don't really love having Snuff Out in my deck where, you know, something like Goblins, like, in particular, right? Like, they are so aggressive that, like, the 4-life is, is relevant. And, like, that being one of my marquee removal spells it, it, it sucks i mean like there's really there's no way to say it like i i want to have this card in my hand until i until it's going to murder me and then it's a liability or you know they get an uncounterable um bombardier and suddenly like i'm dead because they flung a five damage matron on my head like that that sucks but i, I know you can't have it all i i just feel like this deck is slanted in a way where and this is probably par- personally my play style. Like, I would rather be the one um, controlling the board, um, but also applying pressure. I feel like this deck is very good at applying pressure, not particularly great at, at controlling the board. And there's not really a, a powerful way to get back into games. Uh, I think Hogak is probably the the quote-unquote best way to do that. But, like, I'm, going from an empty board to Hogak is unlikely uh, I would say it's very easy to go from an empty board to Hogak. Like, you literally just top deck Orcish Bowmasters and cast it and then go, here's my Hogak. Yeah, that's true. That's true. Yeah, I guess, I guess like, it's better, like, post, post-Wrath post effect, right? Like, I think that is uh, definitely true. But, like, I don't know. I think that... I think people are still attacking the... Especially the blue-black variants of the of this deck. Attacking it with Graveyard Hate. And this deck going even harder on that that avenue um, with Stitcher Supplier and Hogak is is a liability in a lot of ways. Like, I, I, you can still win games with a, a Questing Druid. You can still win games with uh, a Flip Delver. But, like, this has just, like, forsaken all of those, <laughs> those fail-safes. And, um, you know, even your reanimates being not ideal. Not a huge deal, I guess. But, I, I don't know, Hogak just seems... Very scary to me to to have that as a four of in my in my main deck. Yeah, I, I don't know. I I'm pretty in for the Hogak deck. Uh, I think I might be less scared because I've played the deck. Um, mm. Well, again, haven't played that list, but I've played something similar, and it did feel good to me. I also just like where I'm at is I think you are signing up for a lot of Delver mirrors. Uh, like you said, Tempo was like 20% of the metagame, and I think mm. that this deck is favored in those mirrors. Um, 
So I am happy being on this where I, I still think you're good against most things. I definitely do think there's some things you're going to struggle against more than traditional Delver. Um, and I think I'm just like willing to take that risk to have a higher one percentage in my code matchups, but just like be like, okay, well, <laughs> I'm against deck Y. I guess it's time to go make dinner. Cool. I'll come back in an yeah. hour. <laughs> I guess there is some advantage there. That That is a, a minor benefit. If you get just absolutely destroyed, you can go get a nice sandwich or maybe a nice iced ice coffee. Uh, maybe you go on a, a lovely journey and suddenly you come back and you end up facing uh, the deck that ended up in 19th place, which I think was uh, with Orzov Scam, which this one actually is like a scam list. Like they're playing four copies of Brief. Uh, they're playing four reanimates, but they're also playing four copies of Ephemerate, which I don't think I've seen a list in Legacy that actually plays four copies of Ephemerate. That's that's very cool. Yes. I the deck is wild to me. It looks miserable. I hate that this player played it. I hate that they did well. And I <laughs> hate anybody I play against who plays this deck. Um, just throwing it out there. I'm a very hateful man. <laughs> and uh, my feelings will not change. Uh, no, I mean, I I don't know. The grief thing is just, like, so miserable, and we've already spent so much time talking about it. Um, but, yes, here it is again. Just, like, grief you on turn one, like, and then being able to ephemerate or reanimate it. Or if you wait till turn two, then you can touch the spirit realm it. Or... Uncounterable. You... <laughs> yes. True. Um or you can just wait and till turn two and cast a dark ritual and hard cast the grief. Not as good, but still awful Not for bad. your opponent. <laughs> yeah. Um, opposition agent, dark ritual plus opposition agent is also like the definition of a scam. It's just mm. like, I don't know. It. I don't know if the deck is good or not. Um, this player went 7-2, so definitely a strong showing. But mm. I can guarantee it's miserable. Yes, that is 100% true. Uh, I, I like the the two shieldreds in the in the deck, too. That's just, like, such a powerful card to be playing right now. It's actually one of my least favorite cards that's ever been printed. Oh, my gosh, yes, yes, 100%. Yeah, I hate it. But it is very good, I just, though. I just feel like the fact that they're like, here's this threat, and you're like sweet can i answer it and they're like yes it's like okay i don't have the answer can i dig for the answer no you'll mm. die and it's like okay but what happens if i don't look for the answer oh you'll die and it's like yeah well how, how do i beat it then it's like that's the neat part you don't. <laughs> you don't you just die you die quickly or you die slowly but if you mm. didn't have like the swords or the i don't know molten claps in your hand just get dunked on nerd <laughs> Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, like, there, are, there's just, like, so many annoying things, especially in this list, because, like, you can kill the <laughs> Shieldred, and they'll just be like, oh, I'll just reanimate that. <laughs> okay. They're like, okay, well, I'm going to, you know, throw it the plasher, like, oh, I'm going to ephemerate it. It's like, why? I hate this. <laughs> why are you doing this? Throw your friends. Um, but also, too, like, in terms of, like, protection for Shieldred, you also do have, like, a Caracas in the main deck as well, so... Um, not only is that a good way to answer an opposing merit lage or, um, you know, Gothic Teague or something like that, but, like, it is a very effective way to uh, keep your sh children around a little bit longer than it probably should. Yeah, I... Ugh. Ugh. Mm -hmm. That's all I have to say. 
I, I think that's enough, yeah. Uh, also, I think the sideboard is actually really cool, too, just because, like, you know, we're talking about effective answers to something like an 8-cast deck. Um, having Serenity in the sideboard is actually pretty sweet, just because that, that card is an absolute beating when it, <laughs> when it is relevant. Um, I like that. But I also do like the idea, like, this deck is a very good... Uh, Torok deck, just because you do have Dark Ritual that helps facilitate a very powerful turn two Torok if you need, if you, you know, the hand lines up like that. In case uh, briefing them three times on by turn two wasn't enough. <laughs> if it's not enough, this is a better, another way to do it. And you get a body. Oh. Uh, but I also do like Plague Engineer. That That's another card I've been working uh, into my sideboards a little bit more often just because of the, the prevalence of goblins on MTGO. Uh, I, I think it just has applications just in general, like, you know, naming uh, human in a lot of situations is, is relevant. Obviously, when it comes up, elves is uh, a very good name. Uh, there's just a lot of, like, really good benefits, not just to mention, like, just naming orc so you don't have to deal with opposing bowmasters um, the whole game. Like, th- that is a, a very nice sideboard card to have. Yeah. I will say, I don't love the solitudes in the sideboard. Um, there are, mm-hmm. I think I counted 13 total white cards in the list. Let me double count. 2, 4, 7, 11, 15, which is more than I counted at first, but that's, like, pretty low. And that's assuming you're bringing in Solitudes and Serenities, um, yeah. which, I don't know, there's definitely certain matchups where you might want both. Um, I haven't delved into the deck too much, but, like, I could see bringing both in against something like um, 8-cast, I could see bringing both in against Painter, but just, like, if you only want Solitude and then you have 13 white cards, that's just, like, not very effective, I feel like. No, yeah, it, it definitely is a liability, and I, I, I guess the <laughs> the dream of I have Solitude and a removal spell and I want to use Ephemerate to Ephemerate it, like, that it would be sweet, but, like, I think there's a lot of situations where you're like, I'm just going to, like, I need to Solitude right now. I'm going to get rid of my Ephemerate, and I'll reanimate this in, like, you know, three turns or whatever. Like, that is, I feel, like the line that ends up happening the most often in in this kind of deck. Which is still good, but yeah, oh, yeah. definitely not, not as great. No, yeah, but, I mean, you do get a, a huge uh, mana advantage there, right? Like, you... I mean, you lose three cards, um, but you spent one mana in that exchange, and I guess lost five life, um, and you remove you know some amount of mana of your opponent's deck. Like that's that's pretty sweet, but it, it just feels it feels tough. <laughs> um, and also having a bringing in solitude to then exile your removal spells that you wanted to bring like that doesn't quite make sense besides the fact you are saving mana but like you're exiling one mana spells to cast a five mana spell for free that you don't get to keep the body of necessarily like there there are definitely some things in there that don't quite add up uh if you if you put a magnifying glass up so eh. all right what Jack, do we want to? Like, we I know we have to wrap up, but um, how I, I thought your your uh, child, uh, the green white depth deck, actually did do pretty well this weekend too. Heck yeah, I think the deck might be back. Um, and when we say green white, we mean a straight green white, um, yeah. which is probably something I should have thought of ages ago but did not. 
And so, uh, you know, Naya had largely been replaced by Abzan. Um, I didn't think Abzan was particularly great. Um, but so the issue with Naya is it was built kind of to be better against um, a lot of the decks that were going long. Um, Immense Gimbu is super powerful, but unfortunately it's not particularly good against any of the decks that are seeing a lot of play right now. Like your four mana card is not where you want to be against uh, Scam, for instance. Um, and you know, it was never good versus Delver. Uh, the problem with Abzan is just that Orcish Bowmaster just doesn't fit the game plan. I don't know. You can still play that deck. I think it's fine. I picked up FBB Scrublands because I was like, yeah, I'm going to play this deck. And then I haven't yet. I do think Thoughtseize in the sideboard is like very good. But mm -hmm. unfortunately right now, it's again, not the time for it. But straight green-white, I think is actually pretty good. Uh, so a few things you get out of it is you get more stable mana. Um, some people are playing Once Upon a Time, which can kind of help you recover slightly from a grief scam. Like if they pick a part, the, like if they take the one card you need and you're able to find it in the top five, that can definitely help formulate a better game plan. That being said, I didn't play Once Upon a Time. Um, I stand by my decision. But having a little bit of extra room means you can just play like more endurances in the main, which is what I personally did. And I think that is uh, very smart right now. I'm biased. Uh, obviously, I think my decisions are good. Uh, but there's a lot of Merktide Regent. There's a lot of Grief Scam going on. So just like being able to endurance all these reanimates, whether they're fair or unfair. And I did, uh, you know, it did come up where I beat multiple reanimate players in this event, although I also lost one. I think that was really good. In the sideboard, you lose out on Pyroblast, but again, Pyroblast is like not great right now. There's a lot of fair blue decks, but they're all like blue-black axe decks, and the black cards are way more <laughs> relevant than the blue cards. Um, so instead, we're playing Path to Exile. People don't play basics in this format, apparently, so it, sometimes it's actually just better than Swords to Plowshares, which is insane, uh, because Swords is the best removal spell of all time except for maybe Solitude. Um, and yeah, it was just like really good when my opponent would go like, here's a troll of Doom," And instead of looking at a stupid pirate blast, I just went here, fail to find a basic. <laughs> Brutal. <laughs> yeah. And like the, I, I think there is incentive against this deck because you do have the ability to find Wasteland so easily off of a Reclaimer or a Knight of the Reliquary that you're just like, I'm going to go get my Island, I'm going to go get my Swamp, I'm going to go get my whatever. And then suddenly they're like, oh, you can go get a Basic. Like, I don't have any more. It's like, oh, ooh, sorry, buddy. Anyways, <laughs> like that, that is extra, extra salt there, which I love. Yeah. There's a few other things I did that I really enjoyed, too. Um, so I moved the Sylvan Safekeeper to the sideboard. Uh, we have talked about Orcish Bowmaster being super prevalent and white being not super prevalent. Uh, that card is good against white cards and it's very bad against Orcish Bowmaster. So I put it in the sideboard. I didn't port it in once. I don't think it would ever leave my 75. Um, one, I think it's correct to keep it. Two, I think I would keep it even if I didn't think it was correct. <laughs> Just, I don't know. The guy has a special place in my heart. I played... Two quick reflexes didn't come up much, but I think they're good. I think people playing like three or four are crazy though. Um, I played one Thespian, or sorry, not Thespian Sage, one Urza Saga for the grindy matchups. 
Um, if you have listened for a while and paid attention, you might remember me saying it was bad before. Um, so I think in Naya, it is bad. Your mana is like stretched enough where it's very hard to put this in. Um, I think it was okay. It wasn't insane. Although Shadow Spear did definitely win me like a match. Well, it won me a game at least against Rhinos, where I just had like a five-five knight with a Shadow Spear on it. It was like okay, like I don't, you can't beat this. <laughs> um, <laughs> and then I am back on Sylvan Library. I don't know. Uh, people are like, it's bad against Orcish Bowmaster, but just, like, say no. Yeah. <laughs> Don't be greedy. <laughs> um, and then I got to play, and rather than the second Sejiri step, I played mm. in Echoing Deeps, and mm. I 100% stand by that decision. I, it was very good for me all day. Um, it made the Urza Saga plan better because you got access to a second copy. Um, having access to second Bajuka Bog came up, which was insanely relevant. Um, being able to get a second Caracas if they destroy your first is really good. And like the mirror, it's good against um, also reanimate against lands. So like second Caracas comes up. Uh, being the second Sajiri step while not having to play the Sajiri step in your deck is really nice. Um, even being an extra wasteland came up. Uh, I thought about making it a Dryad Arbor once. I just like, it was very good for me. And you want to reiterate for people, I saw, I saw uh, people talking about this on Twitter last week, this week. Um, you cannot, <laughs> I mean, you can, I guess, if you want to. Um, Echoing Deeds is not a good way to copy um, a Mystic Sanctuary, just as a uh, PSA there. Uh, the Echoing Deeds does come into play tapped, so you're, you're not going get to your, get your deal. You could um, try. <laughs> You could certainly try. You could definitely uh, just have a worse island if you wanted to. And no one can stop you but me. Not a single person. Uh, but yeah, just just heads up there. Um, but I, I think that card... I'm glad that card actually performed well. Like, the caves in general have been all very powerful. Uh, I, I think it's a very... They've all been very good so far from what I've seen. Uh, but Echoing Deeth was the one that I was like the most excited about. Just because I felt it, it does give something to these... Uh, tutoring decks, right? And, you know, you have, was it 11 cards that tutor for, you know, essentially any land that you want? So, um, I, I'm glad that one's actually working out pretty well for you. Yeah, it was very good. I'm definitely excited to play more of this deck. Uh, as everyone knows, it's one of my favorites. And just like, you know, if 20% of the field is going to be tempo, I feel very good about this deck. Uh, one of my losses was to Delver, unfortunately, but. I don't know. The games were close, and I felt like I drew pretty poor. Um, but yeah, you're you're good until Delver and the new grindy decks. I think you're definitely better against the old grindy decks. How was the looking at your sideboard? Obviously, uh, Glacial Chasm is, seems like a very good combo with Echoing Deeps, uh, which I love to see. Uh, Collector Oof, I've been a big fan of in this format. Um, how's the Court of Arden Vale been? That is not one I've seen in a sideboard yet. Yeah, I think I need to order one after playing it this weekend. Um, I only boarded it in once. Um, I don't know for sure if it's good or not. I was thinking that it might be good against the bug decks. I was pretty back and forth on it. Um, but I just think, like, any deck that's grindy, like, getting to, like, if they 
snuff out your knight of the relic or whatever and you're just like okay next turn I'll bring it back like that's that's good um being able to like uh flat or sorry not flash evoke well you can flash it uh but evoke mm -hmm. in an endurance and then bring that back seems really strong and mirror um or against lands which is where i brought it in bringing back a wasteland every turn um mm -hmm. i got to waste land lock my lands player out which is often what happens anyways but like this just made it much easier um yeah it performed very well but again i you know it only came in in one matchup yeah uh for those who don't remember court of arden vale by the way uh it's uh too generic and uh too white uh when it comes into play you become the monarch just like all the other court uh cycle uh, but at the beginning of your upkeep, return target permanent card with mana value three or less from your graveyard to your hand. If you're the monarch, you return that permanent card to the battlefield instead. So uh, it returns everything in your deck besides itself, which seems like good deck building. Um, it's, like, yes. <laughs> it's like building for Lurith in mind. That's what it feels like. Yeah, I also... Um... The other thing that didn't come up that I was hoping it would was just, just like bringing back Urza Saga. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that'd be sweet. Uh, that that okay. So Court of Ardenvale is like the only one that I feel like could just be its own deck. Like I could imagine like a deck that is not built around it, but like that is one of the things you have to really worry about is just like the fact they're going to keep recurring that their wastelands or keep recurring their you know. I'm trying to think of just random cards at this point, but um, my brain wants to keep wanting to say Seal of Doom, but like Seal of Cleansing uh, in the same boat, like just being able to get that stuff back over and over again, turn after turn, uh, seems like a very easy way to, to close out a game. So I'm I'm glad it worked out. I, I like the I like this cycle, and I, I like the fact that they kind of revisited it uh, in this set. So uh, phew, yeah, geez, what a card. Yeah, definitely. Um... Don't have a ton of legacy coming up, unfortunately, but am excited to play more with this card. Alright. I need to leave, unfortunately. Same. I've got, I've got children and you've got dinner, I hopefully. Uh no, I have uh I have a meeting to discuss uh decks for, for the RC. Oh Keith. Okay, cool. Well, yeah, we definitely need to go then. Uh if people want to find you, where can they find you? Uh you can find me on Twitter at Expedition Map. Um if you want to send me, you know, cool suggestions for grindy cards that could replace Court of Ardenvale, that is the best place to reach me. If you want to ask me about how great heavy play products are, uh, you can reach me there. If you want to ask me what I'm playing in Denver, you could message me there. I won't respond to you, but um, <laughs> it's an option. Uh, Billy, where can people find you? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Bad Luck Bandit. Uh, if you're interested in finding the show, we are at Depth underscore Podcast. And again, uh, shout out to our our affiliate, our sponsor, theheavyplay.com. And again, if you want to use the code DarkDepth10 10. 10 at <laughs> checkout, uh, you get 10% off your order, which uh, will get you some of those sweet curved sleeves, maybe a RFG deck box max. Yeah. All right. Well, I guess I'll see you next week. Yes. Uh, sorry, I want one thing I forgot. I know, I just ruined the flow. Um, oh, man. I know. Uh, <laughs> full spoiler is out. Basically, every set we don't do a spoiler episode because I think spoiler episodes suck. Um, but yeah. if any of the listeners have a good idea for how we can do a spoiler show that is different, 
uh, you know, like some shows like Constructive Criticism has their pick too, which is like unique and it's their thing. If if you have a suggestion for something good, please let us know and maybe we'll do a spoiler episode. All right. With that, I'll see you next week. See you next week. Gavin Maya taps for green, the scene sees reclaim. Untap sack of flagstones, go seek the planes, then tutor up the stage to pull out your playbill. Doctor's podcast are in Billy Mitchell and Michael Mapson on the microphone, dripping in mock diamonds, the collector of curtains up on act one of this magic show. Setting the forest so dense it looks decomposed with red every nights, crush against death shadow. On the legendary lake covered in ice and snow. Underneath the surface looks a lonely evil. An avatar so dark it could cause a People. The night lunges forward, going for the kill. But death shadow's too tricky, it just won't sit still. It's stuff in denial, compile a stack so thick. The bazooka bug emerges with Gurmax angling. The knight takes a swing at the zombie fishes, but falls submerged for such a distance. Forsaken in the haze of the street rape fringes, who wanna suffer out, they don't sneak forgiveness. The final breath draws a deafening silence, a sound so sinister no one could describe it. It's like the subtle cracking of a turtle shell, or the surgical extraction of emerging hell. The shards of ice feel a force of vigor, the looming fear releases growing bigger and bigger, until a demon's fingers linger toward the shadow of death, an all-consuming hush. The land goes swept, the night washes up, frozen on the ice. Dread arbors thaw her out in the green sun's light. An expedition map suddenly unfurls, revealing merit lage has rearranged the world. Dark death, dark death, dark.